welcome to the Shepherd's Heart Ministries podcast for our Sunrise Cafe channel. Currently, Sunrise Cafe is our weekly early morning gatherings where we discuss scripture over a good breakfast. To register or to get times and locations, please go to shm.live. Every week, immediately after our morning gatherings, a podcast will be published that will unpack the discussion text for that particular morning at a little more depth. Please know that the Sunrise Cafe is a discussion-based, not teaching-based event, which means when you attend a Sunrise Cafe gathering, you will notice that there is very little teaching and more of an emphasis on relationships and conversations about the Bible. The Sunrise Cafe podcast episodes are not recordings from the actual event. Instead, they are resources designed to supplement the conversations had during our morning gatherings. If you have any questions or if there's any way we can help you as you are exploring or growing in your relationship with Jesus, please feel free to send us an email at info at shepherdsheartmen.org. Again, that's info at shepherdsheartmin.org. We hope you enjoy the following resource. Hey everyone, welcome to the Shepherd's Heart podcast for the Sunrise Cafe channel. My name is Cody, I'm one of the directors for Shepherd's Heart Ministries, and we're doing things a little bit different during this series. We're actually going to be doing a uh, a tag team version of our podcast, so I have Daniel here with me. Hello, Hi, Daniel. Hello. Hey. Daniel is also, uh, actually is the, the founder and uh, one of the directors for Shepherd's Heart Ministries as well, and we're covering a really interesting topic for the next several weeks. And the, the topic of this new series that we're in is called Wrestling with God, and in this life you will have trouble. Those are the very words of Jesus. And we're looking at some difficult passages of Scripture that we're trying to make sense of and and try to better understand uh, what the Christian worldview really teaches about things like suffering, pain, loss, grief, and what does the Bible actually say about some of those things, and how are we to walk through those uh, difficult passages in Scripture. So this morning, we took a look at the book of Job. We just did an overview. There was no way that we can cover everything about the book of Job in one session, but we just we provided an overview of Job and just kind of just kind of poked around into that story a little bit to see what we can learn about it. And uh, just to provide you just kind of a snapshot of what we talked about this morning about the book of Job, basically what happens is you have this righteous man named Job uh, that's that's evident from the very first passage in the in the book. But after Satan, or the adversary as the text reads, approaches God and challenges the genuineness of Job's faith and his integrity, God permits Job to be pressed and tried pretty intensely by Satan within certain limits. And Job, Job essentially loses some of the most important things of his life. He loses family, he loses cattle, he loses, he loses, very, he loses a lot of things. Um, and ultimately his wife will tell him in the book to curse God and die. Job will eventually curse the day he was born, and his he has some he has some so-called friends that are there, but they're simply accusing him of wrongdoing, while in actuality we know that he is innocent. And then the story kind of concludes with Job's outcry for justice and a plea for God to explain himself. And what you see is that God does answer, but God doesn't God doesn't respond with just simply answers, but rather he responds with his identity and reminding Job that. He has no clue what's going on, and ultimately God vindicates and restores Job beyond measure. But there's certainly some some tension within this book. It's not so easy to understand, and just some themes that you'll probably see as you read the book of Job, and I know Daniel and I will both encourage you to read the book of Job since we can't read it all here. Uh, some themes that you'll find is that 
Uh, the infinite wisdom of God is often way outside of our cognitive abilities to understand. Um, it's just, there are just some things that we're just not going to be able to grasp. And also that there is an adversary who has his throne on earth, and he comes to still kill and destroy, as Jesus says in John 10.10. 10. The adversary is just as real and, and present, and we've got to give an account for that. And the next thing is that suffering is not always a result of particular sins, and that's what Job's friends in this text are getting after, is that, Job, you must have done something wrong in order to have all of these bad things happening to you. And we call that the retribution theory, and as a principle, as a general principle, yeah, there's some truth to that. I mean, if you make bad decisions, bad things are going to happen. If you live against the justice of God, God's justice will come upon you for sure, but that's that's not what this book is teaching. This book is teaching that there are some things that are beyond a simple answer such as that. And we even see that in the life and ministry of Jesus. You know, in John 9, the disciples ask, who sinned that this man would be born this way? And, he was, and Jesus said, it's, it, he didn't sin. It's, it has nothing to do with particular sins. So we've got to be careful with, with seeing that into this text, that Job's friends are not offering good advice, and that suffering is not always a result of particular sins. And finally, we see ultimately that God can be trusted in and through all of the hardships because he is not distant and detached. In fact, probably one of the major themes of the book of Job is how intimately and intrinsically involved God is, even though you can't clearly see and sense his hand in all of it. Uh, So that's just kind of a a brief 10,000-foot view. Um, Hopefully that will touch on some of the major points. And uh, I think, Daniel, Daniel, do you want to read some of those uh, passages that we walked through this morning? You bet. Cool. So we're going to just read three little passages. First verse of Job is this. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Then skipping down to verse 20 of chapter 1. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Then we're going to skip to the last chapter of Job, uh, chapter 42, and read uh, seven verses out of this. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Dropping down to verse 10. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Awesome. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, that, that was uh, It's very hard to kind of pick apart passages out of the story to try to make sense of it. Um, but I felt like those were some of the better passages that we can pull just to kind of follow the narrative of the story and uh, try to try to understand what's really happening here. And the, the, the whole point of the series is to discuss 
the issue of of suffering and God's presence in and among that. So, uh, and as we talk about these things, obviously the character of God comes to mind. So, we'll start there. Like, what what does this story, Daniel? What do you, what do you feel like this story and Scripture as a whole teaches about the overall character of God? Yeah, the the character of God as revealed in the scriptures is is uh I guess I would call it a twofold uh two-sided coin if you will. Um there's no great analogy to do it, but uh basically that God is love, but God is just. Um and so he has he has the perfect and and I'll add a third thing there. God is humble. And so you have this interesting um, three-legged stool that is God. He's he's just. Uh, he's not going to let injustice go unpunished. He is love, and he's going to show unfailing mercy. And he is humble. The God of all power is also the God who's the most humble being on the planet, you know, or in 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 the galaxy or whatever he created it, but. Uh, those are what I'd say are the, the th- some of the three main characteristics of God as revealed in Scripture, and um, and uh, just skipping right to Jesus on the cross is where we see um, all three of those in action. We see the Son of God who has dressed Himself in humility and set aside all of His glory and fame in heaven, all the privileges of being the Son of God. He is humble. He has set it aside and entered into our suffering. Um, And then you see God's justice for the immorality of mankind, the treason of mankind against God. Uh, We see that justice because he pours out his wrath on his own son, who was innocent. It's it's called substitutionary atonement. Uh, And so Jesus dies in our place. We were rightfully uh, sentenced to death, but Jesus takes takes the hit for us. And finally, we see God's the evidence of God's love that He pours out His loving kindness and mercy on people who, instead of um, only showing His love to His perfect Son, He uh, pours out His wrath on Jesus and shows us His love. Yeah. I- that's awesome, and I, I like the uh, imagery of the three-legged stool and the fulfillment of those things in Jesus. And I think also in Jesus we see, and from the book of Job especially, you see this evident. It's, it's, I think when I first read through the book of Job, I think the last three things I'd actually pick up on as a, as a new reader of Job is the love, uh, the justice, yeah. and the, and the uh, what was your third one? Humility. In the humility of God. Like those I feel like those three things, those are evident as you continue to read it and you just continue to study the scriptures, especially in light of the cross of Christ. Um, but I think first reading through the book of Job, those were things that were evident. And typically when when we hear about the book of Job, uh rightfully so, we we talk about things such as God's sovereignty. You know, we talk about things as God is in full control. Even the enemy, even the adversary has to work within the limits that he is permitted to work within. Mm-hmm. So um, that is definitely a challenge when we talk about like the justice of God, and we'll kind of continue this conversation throughout the episode. But you know, when it when the first verse of Job says that he was a righteous and blameless man, and then everything that follows, it seems it seems as if it's unjust. Mm-hmm. And those are some things that we have to wrestle with and kind of grapple with when we're coming to Scripture. Uh, 
So, but and we'll we'll kind of circle back around to some of that hopefully. But there's also another there's also another character in the story that that is important that we figure out his character too, and that is that that's the adversary. That's that's the Satan as the text would read. Um, what is his character like according to Scripture? Yeah, yeah. I think this is uh, one of the key parts of why we even started with Job on this series is the fact that. In the Christian worldview, in the biblical worldview, we can't even understand reality if we don't realize that there is actually um, an enemy of our souls, uh, and that is the adversary or the great accuser of the brethren, as he's referred to, uh, the father of lies. Uh, this is Satan. And uh, so, yeah, he's. He's, uh, of course, playing a key role in this story, and it's kind of a, probably one of the blessings of having the book of Job, besides the fact that it focuses on suffering and adversity, is that it shows us clearly that there is an adversary who is actively um, trying to come against uh, the children of God. So um, you you add some stuff to this, to this too, Cody, um, on what what you see in the character of Satan. Yeah, and I think that one of the one of the most important things when we're talking about Satan is to remember the things that Jesus himself said about Satan. You know, and that's found in John 10:10, 10, 10, a very clear description that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I come to give life and give life abundantly. And there you have the character of God and the mission of God, and then you have the character of Satan and the mission of Satan, uh, Satan all in one statement basically. And the very next passage says from the good shepherd you know, so there's this there's this element that we have to recognize that yeah we live in as a as a biblical scholar named F.F. F. Bruce he says that the layer of Satan and he says we should not expect we should not expect simplicity and uh, clarity and uh, a life of ease while we're living in exile basically is what F.F. Uh, F. Bruce is getting at. It's good, and I think that that's important that we remember that we are exiles in a foreign land mm-hmm. and we are in enemy territory. And when we're talking about Satan, it's important to remember that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I think for me, that sums up the core of who Satan is. Anytime I look back at my life and I was in living in destructive patterns, I don't attribute that. I don't attribute my bad decisions uh, to God, nor can I really attribute them fully to Satan. I'm responsible for my decisions that I make, but God will never influence me to do something destructive. Does that make sense? Yeah. I ho- hopefully that... Hopefully that kind of makes sense. So I just I just think about that, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And on that, I think we give Satan way too much credit on the other side of things. He is not omniscient. Mm-hmm. He is not omnipresent. He is not every he, he he doesn't he doesn't know the deep things of God. He does not know. And I think a lot of times we think that he is. I think that we think that he is equally as powerful as God, which mm-hmm. this text in Job clearly states he's not. He is actually subservient mm-hmm. to God and has to operate within the limits he's given. So uh, that's kind of what I'd touch on with uh, talking about Satan, um, answering those questions. What does the story and Scripture as a whole teach us about the character of God and and also the character of the adversary? I had a relative who uh, believed in God, believed in heaven, but did not believe in Satan, did not believe in uh, hell, um, but said, yeah, I believe Jesus, I believe uh, God— but I don't believe in Satan. So, I mean, is that a, can you, as a Christian, can you hold that position? I, I think you're on shaky ground in that position, um, both philosophically, as far as how 
how you can explain the world, but also in terms of if you feel you have biblical faith, um, we can't pick and choose the parts of Scripture that we agree with. Um, you know, uh, the Bible right. is not written to be a relativist uh, viewpoint, you know, take whichever you like and leave the rest. And so I, I've known people the same who are um, God-fearing Christians and serving Him, and I totally believe they're saved, but they really struggle with the concept of demons and the fact that uh, demons are a spiritual, you know, basically a fallen angel, and they're wreaking havoc in your own life or in the world right. at large. Um, but if you if you claim that you believe the words of Jesus, then you need to go back to the Gospels and read how much he had to say about Satan and his demons. And he had a lot to say, and That's he right. was thro- throwing them out of people. Uh, and so if you're on that ground, then you're saying, well, I don't believe that he actually cast out demons because I don't believe they exist. Well, now you're really undermining the Savior that you claim to believe in and serve. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And I, the first point you made was was really good about you can't make sense of the world. I feel like that's important because if if Satan doesn't exist and and if if evil is not really a thing, then what you're what you're but you believe that evil is a thing. I mean, my my particular relative would look at the world and say, yeah, things are not the way they are. And I think that's a question, a, a probing question that we can ask ourselves: is are things are the way? Why why are things are the way they are? And do you think that's how they should be? And if your answer is no, then what you are claiming is that there is some objective standard by which things are not right. Mm-hmm. So the issue with that is if, if Satan doesn't exist, if, if uh, that spiritual realm is not a reality, then you have to attribute every ounce of evil that we see in the world to God directly. Mm-hmm. And that's very problematic. So I, I think you're right. You've got to go back to the scriptures and you've got to look at Jesus's words because um, he did have a lot to say. Um, about this adversary. Um, so uh, kind of moving on from, from that, and I know that we could probably spend all, all day on, on that topic alone. Um, I guess a question that might kind of consume the rest of our time is what does this story really teach us? What does Job's story teach us about suffering, how to live in it? Um, what, do we, what do we see as far as God's hand in it? What, is this, what, do we, what can we observe from this story, do you think? I think I think one of the main things that we always take right off the surface is uh you know suffering. Wow, Job is suffering. He's suffering in a place of innocence. He did not um there's no cause and effect as in terms of why he's having to adv- endure such adversity. Um and then of course the big mystery of God's wisdom and God's justice and love and humility that he would uh, allow Satan uh, this, this jurisdiction to, to go in and mess with Job to a certain degree, and, and there's some severe degrees. His entire family dies, right? Um, you know, and he's got health problems and everything under the sun, basically. So suffering is a big one, and, uh, and so we, you know, at, at the surface— Job reveals that the reality of suffering, pain, and evil on this planet is very complex. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are way different than our ways. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, uh, I guess thinking along those lines, 
do you feel like uh, do you feel like Job was even though it may not have appeared to be in the moment. So we have the advantage of looking at Job as a whole story. Job was living this out, you know, from moment to moment. Um, would you say that, like, he was in the midst of the will of God during that season of suffering? Yeah, um, absolutely. I okay. mean, chapter the start of chapter 1 and the start of chapter 2 of Job paint the picture clearly that yeah. that God is actually the one who uh, pitched this idea <laughs> to Satan and said, have you considered my servant Job? Uh, he's upright and blameless, and he loves me, that sort of Excellent, yeah. concept. And and Satan says, well, does Job love you for nothing? You've given him so much. I mean, he's probably one of the wealthiest um, people, uh, people, tribes at the time. You know, he had so much, and so that's why he was saying, you've, you've given him an easy life, and no wonder he loves you. And so God's like, exactly. That's the challenge I wanted to show you, Satan and show the world through this story that no, Job has chosen to love me. He loves me for me. He'll be faithful, even if you remove all that I've blessed him with. Great. Yeah, that's and and I agree. It's it's difficult to say that that's the will that like, he's living in the will of God. And we man, we could explore that, and we will explore some of that throughout the rest of this uh, this series. Um, but there's a couple things there. Is that what does that say about God's confidence in those who love Him? You know, there, there, I feel I feel like there's a strong point there that. You know, God is all knowing. He knew how this thing was going to turn out. So he had a, he had a he had a great confidence in Job's assurance of who he was. Ultimately, as you walk through Job, you're going to find that there's a lot of questions that Job has that honestly they don't get answered. Um, but God knew that Job had an assurance of who he was, and I feel like that. I feel like that there's some confidence there, and also the part about being in that will of God. I think there's something there for us today that just because we are walking through a difficult season does not mean that we're not in the will of God. In fact, it might mean the the, the opposite. Mm-hmm. It might mean that we're right where God mm-hmm. wants us to be. Mm-hmm. And you have to evaluate that. You know, you have to look, am I making decisions that is that are leading me into suffering? Am I, am I actually making the bad decisions that Job's friends are accusing him of making? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I think a lot of the suffering and pain that we feel is self-inflicted. But there are some cases where you just... It comes out of nowhere. You had nothing to do with it, mm-hmm. and you've got to figure out how to live in that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where Job is, and uh, and that that's encouraging for me because I know some of the things that Christy and I have walked through with with the miscarriages and uh, the loss of some loved ones and uh, some other things uh, of that nature that we didn't ask for, that we didn't make any decisions that led to some of those things. Mm-hmm. But uh. I feel like God has, God used those seasons uh, to shape us more and more and to come to a deeper understanding of who he was. And I think that's what he's doing with Job, as you see in the book, at the end of the book. He has this massive revelation of who God is, and I think that's so important as we're walking through suffering. It's not just to say, uh, or when we even see other people in suffering, it's important that we don't cast judgment on them like Job's friends. Mm-hmm. Job's friends were looking at Job's suffering going, you must have done something wrong. Mm-hmm. you know. But the reality was is that Job was right where God wanted him to be. So just because mm-hmm. there's suffering and tension and chaos doesn't mean that God is absent. It doesn't mean that we're not right where God wants us to be. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think uh, our individual and uh, regional or national sufferings will always um, will be mysterious. It could be one 
of a thousand or more reasons why God has um, allowed things to happen. And uh, in some people's case, it it can be a, pro- a, a product of cause and effect, as a New Testament scripture from the Apostle Paul says, God will not be mocked. Uh, what a man reaps, he what a man sows, he will reap. Right. Um, and so... And, and he applies it both to uh, physical and spiritual, I do believe, in that passage. But the point being, you know, if you if we do drugs, let's say, that are mind-altering drugs for a decade, um, that's going to have some effects on our brain. Sure. And so we can't sit there, you know, in our old age and say, man, I w- God, why doesn't my brain work like, right. it, like it should or something? Um you know, so there are there are those stories where we bring things on ourselves, um, and we had just have to live out the consequences. King David, uh, who had a, an affair and a child from that affair, and murdered um, the the husband of Bathsheba, um, he had to he got mercy from God. He he did not die. Uh, God did not take David out as king. He received mercy on the one hand. Um, but on the other hand, he had to live out the consequences for the rest of his life in the story of David. His family is is marked by uh, by uh, bad things ever since that um, occasion. So there were consequences to David's actions. Um, and so, yeah, the list goes on, but sure. it's a complex... Um, it's a complex topic, suffering, mm-hmm. and uh, but I think it's absolutely true that we can be enduring suffering that we did not bring on on ourselves, even as uh, a people, uh, corporately. Um, you know, you just think of the martyrs. Yeah, uh, and so God allows suffering to happen, and we, just like Job, probably won't get the answers to why until we're in heaven. Yeah, man, that's a that's a great point. I I want to kind of jump back to that moment of self-inflicting suffering, because the beautiful thing is is that if we don't have the story of Jesus to to supplement the story of Job and to point to it, then even our self-inflicted wounds of suffering are meaningless. But the beautiful thing about the cross and about Jesus is that even our self-inflicted wounds can be redeemed mm-hmm. in Jesus. That's you right. know, and they can be redeemed. Uh, because God has sacrificed himself that we can live in that new story. Mm-hmm. You know, so even our self-inflicted suffering, God can still use. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's not essentially what we see in Job, but I think that's an important point to make as we're talking about this and the complexity of it is just because it is self-inflicted, just because you did bring it on, doesn't mean that God is done. That's right. You know, so... That's right. Um, and I, I just think that's a, that's an important point. We'll dive further into that in, in another in another topic this this week. Um, and what that looks like, uh, but uh, I guess I got one more question, and then and then we'll we'll kind of wrap it up because I think it'll kind of tie into the wrap up here. Um, it says that Job did not sin in in his in his crying and his complaint um, about God, and did not sin attributing this uh, to God. But then later on in the text, you see that that Job has to repent. So this story, something has shifted in the story. And I mean, why do why do you feel like he had to repent? You had a good comment this morning during our gathering about that. I'm not even sure. I well, yeah, I kind of remember what it was, but 
I think so. At the end of uh, chapter one in Job, you've got him saying what we what we would come to know as kind of like a, a nice Christian answer to suffering, like the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, but yeah, bless His name. You know, like I'm I'm still going to trust in Him and 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 seek Him and uh, you know all of those stuff, uh, which I think is the right place, the right heart to have. However, that's in chapter one. Yeah. Chapter one of Job's suffering, you know, so it goes on, you know, it goes on a lot from there. Um, There's 42 chapters. God shows up on the scene in chapter 38, if I remember right. And so um, somewhere towards, you know, the last five chapters, you know, Job is really starting to question God's wisdom. Mm -hmm. Uh, he's, He's maybe not questioning that God is good or saying that God caused this evil and and uh, and therefore I hate God but he is questioning God's wisdom and why are you allowing this to happen sure. and uh, surely it's not just a as I'm sure it's filled with emotion you know it would have been so real and authentic and so then God shows up on the scene and says well where were you when I created the earth right how could you possibly know even if I explained it to you what what all is going on here behind the scenes and how this plays out in the end and it's all going to work out for the good of those who love me type of thing. And so then we see Job repenting, um, saying, I despise myself. So I, th- I think what happened is is Job got humbled after his yeah. God encounter. And, and he, if nothing else, he's repenting from any sort of pride or arrogance that made him feel like he had a right to know what's going on yeah. or to think that he could possibly understand what's going on, he realizes, who am I? I can't. That's perfect. And that, that's, that's absolutely, I feel like you're right, you're right on point there. Um, you know, even if he is innocent um, in this situation, he is still guilty in sin. So there's still going to be that battle. And we think, we, we, we forget about that. We forget that Job is a fallen creature. You know, he is... He still has a sinful nature, so repentance is still necessary. And then God blesses him, um, you know, as as that repentance takes place and as he uh, humbles himself before God. Mm-hmm. So I think just to close this out, I think we're going to wrap this up now. So uh, to close this out, the the final thing I'm going to I'm going to say is just that this issue, when we look at Job, the when it comes to suffering in this life, you will have trouble. What can we learn about that from Job? Is that this is super complex. Mm-hmm. And that there is no one-size-fits-all solution for suffering. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be willing to admit that. And no other worldview really does this this topic justice like the Bible, in my opinion. It's very honest about it. And I think even with Job saying things like, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, I think God's rebuke in 38 through 42 includes some of Job's false theology. And or or at least the surface theology. I think it includes everybody in the story, and I think it includes us. He's. I feel like what God is saying is, look, things are not as easy and clear cut as you think they are. You think it fits in a nice category of oh, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. It's just that simple. Mm-hmm. When you look at the broad the broad uh, uh, story of the scripture, it's not that simple. So we've got to we've got to be willing to admit that things are far more complex than what uh, than what our world leads on to believe and what we personally think they might be. Mm-hmm. So I'll, that's that's how I'll end. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add to that? Or uh, yeah, just that um, it, it sure uh, makes warrants the fact that we will mourn 
and we ought to mourn with those who mourn yeah. and not just slough it off and say, you know, hey, I'm sorry that happened and, um, you know, get over it or something, you know. Right. But to mourn with people because just like Job, um, even after God appears to him and he repents, it says that his friends came and mourned his family, uh, any that he had left, his friends came and mourned with him because of the adversity that he had experienced. Uh, and this is after he had been restored. So anyways, uh, I, I want to just say, uh, if, if there's anyone listening to this, if you're going through pain, suffering, uh, if you've got evil, vindictive people in your life, um, we just want to say that we are sorry for you. Um, we, If you're in our locale, we, we could mourn with you um, and, and, and just try to be an encouragement in your life. We want to encourage you to trust God, encourage you to, you know, you can consider asking the same questions Job did of God. Uh, why would you allow this to happen? Um, but also just, you know, kind of go into that knowing that you and I, we can't understand the complexity of everything that's happening. Um, and so, but let us pray, let us pray for you right now. Um, and, and we pray that, that the Lord himself will comfort you. We pray, Lord, that you would comfort those who are going through such times. We thank you that you are the God of the broken, the helpless, uh, the underdogs, um, the God of second chances and third chances and so on. And so, Lord, for those listening, going through difficult seasons, Lord, uh, physically or natural disasters, um, random acts of violence, uh, or just someone who is always that thorn in their flesh. We ask, Father, that you would comfort them, grant them spiritual wisdom and understanding. We pray, fill them with your glorious power and fill them with joy that they can give thanks to you through all things. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Those are, those are the words and the prayers of Paul to the Colossians in chapter 1, Colossians. Amen. All right. Well, if your questions weren't answered or the conversation didn't go the way you wanted to, please stick around with us for the next eight weeks because, like I said, we are spending uh, some intentional, slow time walking through this topic. As always, if you have any questions or there's any way we can help you, feel free to shoot us an email at info at shepherdsheartmen.org. Again, that's info at shepherdsheartmen.org. Thanks for tuning in.